Welcome, coaches. This is Tony Schiffman, and you are listening to the Hog Football Podcast. The Hog Football Chat was created as a way for coaches to talk about all things football and all things offensive line, and we took off via Twitter. With the help of so many great sponsors, we were able to create an amazing network of our coaching community. Now we've decided to launch our first ever podcast series. Please don't forget to check out those amazing sponsors on Twitter. This podcast series is presented by Platform, an online strength and conditioning tool that partners with over 800 schools across the country. Go check out platform.com, that's P-L-T-4-M.com for our full series and catch up on any episodes you might have missed. Don't forget to check out at Coach Schiffman on Twitter and use the hashtag HogFootballChat when you're there. We have a great episode for you today, so let's go ahead and kick this off. Hey guys, welcome to another edition of the Hog Football Podcast. I've got Coach Michael McClanathan with me today. Coach McClanathan is currently the offensive line coach at Drake University, uh, where he's been for five seasons. Before that, he was a player at Drake University, uh, playing for the Bulldogs from 2012 to 2015. Coach, what's going on? How are you doing? Doing good, Coach. Thanks for having me on today. Yeah, you bet. You know, we we talked uh, we talked the other day with. Uh, uh, Coach Grandinetti on the, on his roundtable, so I wanted to, to get you on and, and talk a little bit more with you. So um, glad to have you with me. Uh, you know, my first question for you is: is you, you've been at Drake for a long time and, and been a part of some good football teams. Um, how important is the offensive line, or, or how important was the offensive line to the success of some of those those uh, those good teams? Well, um, you know, I, as an offensive former offensive lineman and a current O line coach, I, I, I'm always going to believe that they're really important and I think that if you look back at any successful team especially once we had a Drake we had good offensive lines and that manifested itself in our ability to run the football and uh, I know guys have, have talked about that before on this podcast but and everybody talks about it that knows football mm. but being able to run the ball and force teams to adjust to you and imposing your will on people is I think critical to any success especially long-term success um, like you can win a game throwing the ball around. But I, our office coordinator, Drake's fond of saying, how many teams have you seen run the ball for 300 yards and lose a game uh, compared to throw for 300 yards and lose a game? Uh, right. So you know, those stats are pretty self-evident, I think. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, absolutely right. You know, it's, it's, that's, uh, I, that's kind of a, a funny statistic to think of because you, you think about how many teams are out there, you know, throwing, you know, quote unquote, the air raid teams that are throwing for 350 and running for, 75 yards but but losing games 65 to 48 or something like that so it's kind of interesting you say that um you know my first question for you is and it can kind of be you know you can kind of branch off if you want but but I'm really curious to you obviously you played it at Drake played four years there and then um you started as an assistant offensive line coach before taking over the room you know by yourself Talk to me a little bit just about coaching at your alma mater and, and you know, working for, um, working, working for the, the staff and, and how kind of that all came about, I guess, and, and how just the, it's been transitioning from an assistant um, O-line coach to a full-time, you know, O-line coach. Sure. So I guess it kind of starts with my, my – I had a ton of injuries. I was a career backup at Drake. I didn't play a ton. Played here and there. Um, played behind a guy named John McMahon, who was a dude, all-conference player every year, uh, and was a good friend of mine. 
but um, I didn't play my fifth year. So I student taught because I was, I was banged up and I wasn't playing much. And it was, I don't know if I would have been able to get through another season, frankly, some of the back injuries I had, but I started teaching and I really wanted to get back into football. So I volunteered that season after it would have been my fifth year during, uh, during that fall and fell in love with coaching college football or at least what I thought it could be and so basically was uh taught for about a year to pay the bills and while I tried to work my way into as an assistant got hired by coach Fox who was my position coach and a head coach of mine at Drake um gave me my first job uh, as an assistant uh, online coach and that was great it was it was weird at times because the guys class below me were now you know seniors and right. uh some of them were, were really good friends of mine and we right. had spent college together doing what college kids do so did, there was, did, you, uh, and, did you find sorry to interrupt did you find that was an issue at all um no it didn't it, and part of i think why is i had a year uh like a like a gap year essentially with them to where some of them were, a lot of them were close friends of mine but we understood kind of the relationship that we needed to kind of start to form right uh, if I was going to take this seriously and it wasn't like we in that role, we didn't have a conversation of that nature. It was because I was very much in the backseat of things. Our line coach at the time was a guy named Steve Flynn. He's actually back on staff at Drake as the tight ends coach. Um, he did a great job with the group. So, and he let me have responsibility when it was appropriate, but I was really there just to help out and help serve the group. So um, now when Steve left, uh, we had another uh, O-line coach for a brief amount of time, but then he left again. So basically at the end of the spring, Coach Fox uh, interviewed me and hired me for to take over the room. And I was only 23. <laughs> right. And so I didn't, you know, I wanted the job and I focused really hard on trying to get the job. But then once I got it, I was like, oh, crap, you know, <laughs> what am I going to do? Like I was a dog chasing the car that finally caught one and uh, didn't know what to do with it. So then I had guys still two years younger than me when I was playing that were now going to be seniors. And those were guys, the first thing I did when I got the job was I pulled the two fifth year seniors in or guys named Payson Wick and Ryan Lemke. And they were both really good football players, both vocal leaders on the team, uh, very well respected by everybody in the program. And I said, look guys, you guys, if I don't have, if you guys don't have my back and I don't have your back during this first year, then it's going to tank our group because mm -hmm. I'm not like the reality is I'm not going to be perfect. I'm still not obviously, but that first year was definitely a lot of growing pains. And what I, what I wanted to establish was an open dialogue between me and the group because my, my thought process on it was I'm not going to know everything all the time. You guys are the ones that have to go out on the field and actually do it. So if I'm going to give you what I think is the best way to do it, if you have something else, let's talk about it. Let's do it. It needs to be a collaborative process. Mm -hmm. What I would tell them was that it, it's, it's collaboration, not democracy. Um, so it doesn't need to be, oh, we're going to vote on the best way to do it because the group likes it. I, it's still essentially a top-down leadership structure, as I have final say. But right. I wanted them to know that they were a part of the process. And so that, that would give me some grace within the group. And then they knew that it was, we were really all in this together and it was about what we could accomplish as a group, not about me trying to demand respect or them, you know, trying to demand respect. It was, it was a, a true collaboration, which was great and, and helped us overcome a lot of my lack of experience. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, it's never an easy situation, you know, going in, you know, especially coaching guys that you, you played with and, and, and kind of, like you said, did, 
outside activities with and spent time <laughs> off the field and, and away from football with. But, um, you know, to have that sort of mutual respect, that's important for any, any coach and any, any group of guys, um, especially in the offensive line. Um, and, you know, it, what it did was it also helped lay the foundation of how the group would interact with me moving forward as well. Right. Cause I haven't left the group. So it's pretty, it's obviously we've changed players quite a right. bit, but that open dialogue and um, you know, up and down leadership and up and down accountability is still, still around. That's something we take pride on as a group is that I want them to be able to come to me. Hey, why are we doing this? Well, right. I'll tell you why. And you don't have to agree, but I want to get you to buy in because you understand the process. Right. That, yeah. That's awesome. Uh, you know, do you, did you find yourself sort of, taking taking on the the style of of your offensive line coach or have you you know have you obviously you've done enough to establish yourself as your own you know your own coach but did you find yourself sort of taking on some of his you know attributes early on in, in your in your coaching career uh not not as much as I thought I would have frankly I, a lot of the terminology and stuff in the way that I discussed things which was just with the way that I was taught in college so I did some of that Right. From a personality and coaching style standpoint, Coach Fox and I are very different. Um, I, I'm a I'm a little bit higher energy. Not that he lacks energy or, or enthusiasm, but it's like you know I'm, I'm going to run around the field and jump on guys' backs and right. Be, you're going to know if I'm at practice just from the volume of my voice. Um, and then the um, I would say that I became more of that way a, after my first year because. Um, the first, the guy that I that I worked under directly, Coach Flynn, he was a little bit more quieter on the field and and kind of let things play out a little bit more. Whereas I was a little bit more uh, <laughs> running around with my head head on fire. Right. But it, you know, you, you got to find your own coaching style. I think like like you know most guys do after after a while. And frankly, my first year we had such strong senior leadership. I didn't need to be kind of the the guy with the whip that I did in later years when our our older guys just weren't as vocal or, or uh, didn't lead in the same ways. Um, they just did, were more action type players rather than, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to get the group on the same page with the way that I speak to them. Right. No, that makes sense. Um, you know, kind of going, advancing through your career, obviously, you, you know, you've done a couple of different things and, and now on your, you know, on your bio and your title, you're listed as run game coordinator too. Talk, talk a little bit about sort of for the people listening that might not understand what that means. What, what does that mean? And, and what does that entail? What does that, how does that change your, your weekly um, game plan preparation? And what are you doing um, as a kind of, as an addition, you know, obviously you're coaching the offensive line. What does that run game coordinator do for you in addition to, to being the offensive line coach? That's a great question. So the, uh, I guess I'll start with when I was just an O-line coach, I was, um, I was not responsible in the way, in the way that we game planned was not as uh, collaborative as some guys styles are. It was, it was a little bit more. So my job was focused more on personnel and O-line specific things. So yes, I was always trying to come up with ideas to try to help, Hey, this formation, that formation, um, and um, general scheme, I guess, but it was more about how can I make what those decisions are work within our group, Does that, if that makes sense. Yeah. Whereas now I'm not the OC, so the final decision isn't mine, but Coach Warrett, our new offensive coordinator, does a great job of kind of evaluating my input and 
you know, I guess allowing me to die on certain hills and say, this is the way I want to do it. So to where I was allowed to come up with our, the way that we ID everything, the way that we want to block certain fronts, as long as it kind of got his stamp of approval, he's really given me kind of a lot of grace and a lot of uh, leeway to make it my own in mm -hmm. the run one game. And then, you know, we, we helps allows me to kind of do that with protections to a degree as well. And, um, Coach Warrett's style is a lot more collaborative than other guys that I've worked with uh, in the past. Not that other guys were right or wrong, but it's been it's been awesome having that ability. And then last year, under a different offensive coordinator, I was able to kind of design the the zone game, okay. and some of the power and counter stuff as well. So um, yeah, it's really just got more of a personal stamp on it than anything. Right, and then I mean, obviously, you know, in, in regards to you, you know your game planning, you're you're able to, you know, you're. It's not like your offensive corner is just telling you we're running this. You're not going to have any input. You know, you're obviously be able to give some sort of input week by week and kind of what what you think's going to work, what you think's going to be effective, you know, uh, for your opponent. Absolutely. I mean, from personnel to formations, um, you know, usually Sundays or Mondays, I come up with kind of a list of, I guess the. Uh, what I see as the the mandatories or the best ways to attack this defensive structure that we're going against. And mm -hmm. then, you know, I, you know, I always talk about who are the extra fit players and how can we control them? Because once you understand how to attack the box, it really becomes about different ways to manipulate the edge or, or the third level player. Um, and that's really where that becomes more collaborative. Whereas the base way of attacking things is really, really set in a direction by me as, Hey, this is an odd front. We need, these players in the box, if we're going to run in an open edge, this is how we need to do it. Here's why. And as long as, you know, my reasons make sense. And obviously I'm not going to be like, no, do it my way to the offensive coordinator. But right. like, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's kind of led uh, through me up to him, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Oh, absolutely. It does. So good. Um, you know, I think a lot of times people out there see that, you know, especially young coaches, they see a oh, run game coordinator, a pass game coordinator, and they don't really know what it means. So it's good that you can kind of give an explanation to those guys on, on what that is so they can, they can either keep searching for that job or realize that they don't really want that job. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so last question I've got for you, and, and, and this is kind of, uh, you know, this has been one that stumps people every now and again. But uh, if you could build your offensive line Mount Rushmore, and it can be guys that you've played with, guys you've coached, or guys that, you know, you're just a fan of, who, who would be on that five-man Mount Rushmore? Oh, man, that's a great question. I would say, you know, the first guy I'm putting on that list, I grew up watching. I'm from St. Louis originally, so I grew up watching the Rams and it's yep. Orlando Pace. Uh, you know, 10 out of 10 times, he was amazing to watch. I remember when he got, you know, when he, like just watching him and being a kid that didn't know much about offensive line when he got put there, that was a guy that was really easy for me to idolize. Um a throwback. I've got a few different angles of this. So okay. most of these guys are going to be pro guys. And then a couple guys that I coached, um, Mike Webster, old, uh, nice. center for the Steelers. That guy was like, I remember seeing pictures of him and I used to love those old Steelers teams when I was in high school, watching like documentaries on them and stuff. And then Jeff Saturday was a guy that I loved because he was kind of a relatively undersized guy like myself, but it was just a dude, really smart guy that played with Peyton Manning, Larry Allen, just a freak and a high effort guy. And, uh, and then, the two guys I coached my first year, uh, Ryan Lemke and Payson Wick, without their help and my and their you know <laughs> patience and things like that, and, and their willing to, willingness to buy in, my career would have started out probably in a pretty horrible fiery spiral. So right. uh, 
that's yeah, I'm really grateful to those guys. Right. Good. That's good. I like the I like I you'd be surprised. I've done quite a few of these and probably ninety percent of the guys have said Orlando Pace. I, I think I think people forget how really, really good he was for a long time in the NFL. So Freakish. It, Absolutely freakish. If you ever have extra time on your hands and you're an O line nerd like myself, go watch his Ohio State highlights. Yeah, oh yeah. He's he, he's impressive, and you're 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 one of the few guys that have said Mike Webster. Mike Webster will be on my list too. He's he's one of my there's I don't know if you're if you're big into like strength and conditioning, but there is an article um, I can't remember when it was written. It was written by his Mike Webster's son about how he, how Mike Webster used to work out and his diet. And it's if I if you haven't read it, I'll find it and see if I can send it to you. It's it's pretty yes, please do. It's pretty awesome. I, I it's I one of those it's one of those it's like it's like a four page article, but I could read it ten times a day for a year and never <laughs> get tired of it. It's it's so yeah cool. for so, sure. Send that my way if you find yeah, it. I will. Um, all right, Coach. Well, you know, before we get you out of here, do me a favor and drop your Twitter handle and any other information you want uh, you want the listeners to know. All right, Coach, thanks. Uh, you guys can find me on Twitter at uh, McClanathan O-L. So that's my really long last name, M-C-C-L-A-N-A-T-H-A-N-O-L. Um, and you, you can find me on Drake Football's page as well. All right, awesome, Coach. Well, I appreciate you coming on and talking with me this morning. Uh, you know, hopefully you are uh, staying healthy, and hopefully we have this, this season coming up soon. So, and, uh, uh, you know, you guys have some great success over at Drake. Appreciate it, Coach. Have a good season at Lake Forest as well. All right, thanks. We'll see you. Thanks again for everyone listening, and remember to go check out Platform.com for the full series of Hog Football podcast episodes. We want to thank everybody for their continued support, and be on the lookout for our Hog Football Chat series from Twitter on our website, hogfootballchat.net. You can check out all of our great sponsors and tons of awesome conversations from the chat and the podcast.